Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Yarusi. And I'm Jason Yarusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. Aloha, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am so grateful to have you. And I am grateful for my next guest. I was on his podcast previously, and now he's on mine. Please welcome Greg Helbeck. Hey, I'm so happy to be a guest on your show. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now. This is, uh, I'm glad we were able to do this. Super, super, super exciting. So Greg Helbeck, he is 26 years old. He has flipped and wholesaled over 100 houses in two of the hardest, hardest areas in the USA. He has six rental units and will continue to pick up more as time progresses. And we're going to dive into that. Run, he runs his business virtually with low overhead and high net profits. That's what, that's what investors want to hear. He has experience with off-market multifamily acquisition using calling and direct mail. Again, something that our investors want to hear. So Greg, welcome to the show. Before I jump in, I actually want to give the folks a little bit about your podcast and what it's about since I already mentioned it. Let's give it to them now. Yeah. So it's called Pave the Way Podcast. I actually came up with the idea when I was on vacation in Hawaii with my buddy. Yes. And uh, yeah, after a couple of my ties, we decided that uh, Pave the Way would be a pretty good show or show title, sorry. So um, I remember we talked about it and I said, well, I'm going to execute this plan. And a couple months later, it was, uh, it was live on the air and uh, 190 something episodes later, it's been, uh, it's been getting more popular by the week. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, especially the networking component, connecting with people like you and uh, being able to um, have it be a great platform to add value. It is a fantastic podcast. So if you have not checked it out, please check out Pave the Way podcast with Greg Helbeck. So let's get started. Why real estate? Why'd you jump in? Yeah, great question. So I was a 20-year-old kid and I was in community college and I, um, I was a competitive hockey player. So I, I always had a little competitive edge to me and I wanted to play in the NHL, quite frankly. And I got to the junior hockey ranks and wasn't good enough, quite frankly. Time was running out because the younger you are in hockey, the better it is. So I was getting a little bit older for my hockey age. I decided to call it quits, respectively, and um, was in college. Had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur just because I always valued freedom and autonomy. And um, it it was really appealing, the real estate business. So how I got into it really quickly was I was actually um, reading books and you know doing all that kind of stuff and going to community college. And a seminar came to town and uh, the seminar was talking about flipping homes with no money down. And I had like $2,000 in the bank, 20 years old, didn't know really anything and went to the seminar. And I had the belief in myself that day. It was weird. Like, I don't know how the universe works, but I, in that seminar, I like, I had this like conviction where like, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to be a real estate investor. And it was like a flashbulb went off. And um, ever since that day, I've just been like, my hair has been on fire and I'm running around and um, started taking action. And uh, nine months later, ran into a deal, made a little bit of money, ran into a couple more deals after that, then started learning how to market systematically and learning how to sell and learning real skills that allow you to add value in the market, which increases your income. And, you know, a hundred something deals later, I've been able to uh, have this be my full-time career and I've made millions in the business and I've learned a lot of lessons. It's certainly not been easy, but um, yeah, it's been a heck of a ride so far and I'm just getting started. 
And I love it. And I love being on this journey with you. So let's dive a little deeper into the journey. I love that you had conviction in yourself. You had that energy, that drive, that wants for freedom, and you took action. So what, I guess I might've already answered my question, but I want to hear it from you. What separates you, your action, taking your conviction from the people who want, quote, want to do it? That's a great question. And I, I answered it. Uh, someone asked me this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and I said the action. So it's number one, it's, it's having like pigheaded persistence over the long game on that. This will going, this is going to work, but at the same time, being able to understand that if you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again, you're going to keep spinning your wheels. So you have to have this balance of pigheaded persistence but at the same time, you got to have like this reflection kind of like reflection on your actions. So you're, you're learning from your mistakes and you're growing consistently because in the beginning I was really motivated, but I was really inefficient and I was really ineffective and I was getting frustrated. And then I started really kind of deep diving, like cause and effect on like why some things worked and why some things didn't work. And I was able to kind of like kind of mind map principles that have allowed me to grow the business consistently, especially on the marketing end of it and the, like the lead gen. So I think you, it's great to be persistent and you got to have that belief. Cause if you don't have that design, I like, this is kind of cliche, but all the gurus talk about, you have to have a why you have to have desire. And it's so important because it is difficult, right? It's difficult. And if you don't have that, that fire in your belly, it, it, it's very easy to tap out because the logical brain will give you all these reasons to justify why it's not going to work. So you have to have that desire. But at the same time, if you're not learning from your mistakes along the way, you're, you're just going to keep just beating your head against the ground and you're going to get frustrated. So that why is really what keeps driving you forward. So what's your why? What keeps driving you forward? What fires you up? My why, I would say it, it's not like family or anything like that. Like I, I love my family. I'm a young kid. I'm not married. I don't have any kids of my own, but um, I really just want to find out my potential and I, I don't want to leave anything on the table and I want to get up every day and I want to do my best and I want to keep achieving the goals that are important to me. And I think that that is my internal reason for, you know, doing what I do every day. It's, it's being able to kind of unleash my potential on a daily basis and keep going because it, it allows me to see the progress. And there's a really good book I'm actually reading and a little bit of a side note here, but it's called The Gap and the Gain. It j literally just came out like last week by Dan Sullivan. It's phenomenal so far. And he talks about a lot of people, they, they are really unhappy because they look at the gap from where they are to where they want to be. And that gap is like impeding their happiness. But if they look at the gain, which is where they are versus where they started, it's internally motivated because you can actually see your progress so I try to look at everything now from this gain perspective. I'm like, hey, I might not be where I'm at, but if I compare where I'm where I am now compared to where I was even a year ago, like myself a year ago would be really impressed with myself now. And I know that myself a year from now will be proud of where I was at this present day. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to get like woo-woo on you at all, but like I was reading this the other day and I was like, wow, this is really important stuff, you know? No, it is. And that's, uh, get as woo-woo as you want on this show. We are all about the woo <laughs> because that is exactly what I talk about all the time, focusing in on those gains, focusing in on those things that are going right in your day, setting yourself up to win is a huge, huge thing. So this book and the fun, the fun thing is, is that you actually read a lot of books, don't you? Yeah. It, it's been helpful. Reader. 
Yeah, reading Audible. Um, I'm always consuming information like a sponge and, and taking the stuff that I value and discarding the stuff I might not agree with and being able to kind of look at it in the middle of the, of the table. And uh, yeah, reading and, and just consuming information like podcasts has been really, really instrumental on just those little nuggets you pull out of the content you consume. And it really adds up over the course of five years, you know, six years. And the reason why I bring that up is because on his podcast, Pave the Way podcast, I know you go through books that you have read. And I know a lot of your social media content, you, you promote or you talk about books that you've read in the past. So again, look Greg up, look him up on social, look for those intricate informational uh, posts that he posts on books that he's read. So to dive back into unleashing your potential and that being your why, I love the fact that you have made basically yourself your why, because without unleashing your own potential, how can you, how can you ever expect to help others in need or help others unleash their potential? I love that you said that. And as I have a small team now in my real estate business, I realized it took me a really long time to start to recruit a team because I didn't, I had the belief in myself, but I didn't have that like rock solid confidence to where I'm so convinced on what we're doing is, is for the greater good. It was hard for me to convey that message to my team. And that's why I didn't have a great team up until like now, now I have some rock stars with me and now they can see me leading from the front and they see the, the work ethic that I try to demonstrate to them on a daily basis. So they know that I'm there fighting for them and we're all in this together and I keep them engaged and I keep them motivated and I make sure that I'm helping them achieve their goals. And I always say, I work for you. You don't work for me because I want to win just as bad for them as I want to do for myself now. And that's really motivating too, but it's hard to get there in the beginning because you're trying to fend for your own. But once you kind of get some, momentum going, it's a lot easier to then bring on a team because then you you can you can lead them because you've led yourself before, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. And let's go there. Let's talk about how you are continually leveling up and leveraging other people so that you can you can unleash more of your potential, basically. And I love what you said about you work for them and you are a team and you level up together. So talk about what was the turning point for you when you decided that you were going to level up, that you were going to start to leverage others and then how that is continuously letting you grow and level up yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about this now. Cause like two years ago, I would have been like, Oh, leadership. Ah, I just want to win myself. Ah, and I would have said all this silly stuff, but the real thing I would say is starting starting point is I need to have an opportunity that is going to recruit a players. So if I don't have an organization that is set up to win, it's very hard for me to sell the dream to my team because if they don't see like that we got leads coming in and we got a lot of deals going on, they're not going to be motivated to work for me because they know that it's, it's, it, it's not a level of, it's not a, prim op, a premier opportunity. So I needed to make sure that, that I can handle myself and I can provide somebody who wants to make some serious money, a real opportunity. So when I walk through like the plan of progress, I can communicate to them with conviction that this is the fast track for success. And I know from my own experience that if we do these things, we're most likely going to get these results. And these results are going to get you to your goals. And I can convey that message to them very clearly. And I have the, the marketing track record now to be able to confidently provide that to them. So I know that as long as they are holding themselves accountable to their own controllable activities, collectively, we can achieve that big goal because I have that roadmap set up. And a couple of years ago, I quite, I quite frankly didn't have that. Because I wasn't there as a leader, quite frankly. 
And I love the fact that you are also honing in because you are obviously you are holding yourself accountable. You are the leadership, you are the leader and leadership of this team. And you are letting your, the people that work with you, let's say with you, um, know that they have to be held accountable too. So let's talk a little bit about that now. Let's talk about responsibility. Why responsibility is key in business. Yeah. So when it comes to that, I'm very clear with everybody what their roles and responsibilities are. And I'm huge on tracking numbers and metrics. So every single day, there's the company scorecard that I account for. And then every single person on my team has their own scorecard that they have to report on. So I can see the data and the metrics and the activities, and I can see if they're moving the needle or not. Like for example, yesterday, my guy, Brett made six offers. So, and I was telling him, I said, listen, dude, you made six offers. That's phenomenal. If you make six offers every day, you're going to have more money than you know what to do with, because it's literally math and logic. If you make six offers a day, we're going to get offers accepted. We're going to be buying more houses. We got three this week. You know, we're going to continue to do that. So tracking is the number one thing that I hold them accountable for. And the biggest thing I love about tracking is that it's a hundred percent under their control. They can control every day what they put in that scorecard. And then I can review that score scorecard periodically to see whether those metrics are getting us to the goals we want to get to. And if they are, we continue to do them. If they're not, I got to figure out what the root cause of the problem is, fix it, and then solve the right problem. Cause I've solved the wrong problem many times. And that's very frustrating as well. You know, when we're not solving the right problem and everyone gets frustrated. And the thing is without those metrics, you wouldn't know what problems you had to solve or even what was going good. So you can see in real time exactly what the people that are working with you are doing. Because if you didn't have those metrics set up, would you know that he was winning? Would you know that he was putting out those six offers? And this is just a little tidbit of information. I mean, everything you're dropping right now, Greg, is gold. But this is huge, like having those metrics in place so that you can see if you're winning, making yourself accountable and holding yourself accountable to actual numbers is key. So how is this growth that's happening for you? How does that take you into the future, aka multifamily? Yeah. So in terms of multifamily, to give you a quick background on that. So last year in December, I went on my little annual planning reflecting trip where me, myself, and I go to Palm Springs, California, which is like two hours from my house in San Diego. And uh, I sit there and uh, I crack open a journal, a couple margaritas, to be honest with you. And I think about where I'm at, where I want to go. And I turn the phone off for a nice solid day. So I wrote down in my journal, I want to buy a multifamily commercial building this upcoming year, wrote that down. And I'm like, okay, I got the goal. Now I got to come up with the system to get that goal. And I took the skill set that I've developed over the years of, you know, marketing direct to sellers on the single family side. And I literally just started pulling multifamily lists. Like it wasn't rocket science. And I started personally executing a cold calling plan just to kind of prove the model out a little bit. And I ran into a deal. Uh, I ran into a, a mixed use deal and I ended up acquiring it. And I still own it now. We're, we're almost done turning it around and I'll be renting it out uh, in the next couple of days. It'll be three quarters rented or two quarters rented. But uh, so I, I basically ran into that. So in terms of communicating that to my team, if we want to shift into bigger stuff, we got to make sure we, we, we set the goals clear. We set the reasonable expectations on when we should hit those goals and then we got to come up with our marketing plan to get those to get that goal achieved. And I, I'm my skill set is going off market just because I, I've, I've 
done a lot of it in the, in the residential side. So that's something that, that, that I can easily transfer, not saying that it's easy, but I can easily transfer that skill set to a, an apartment building, for example, because I know the lists, I know how to systematically get leads. And then we, you know, obviously evaluating is a little bit different. There's different numbers you got to look at, but um, it, it's a similar, it's a similar kind of system to achieve the goal. And obviously I, I, I did that last, I, I, I got the building this year in 2021, but I realized that, and this is something I'm sure your listeners have found out as well as yourself. There's, at least from my experience, there's less people, I mean, there's still people marketing to these, these owners, but there's way less people compared to single family houses. I mean, I, I do a lot of business in San Diego and I, I will get people on the phone saying, this is the 25th cold call I've gotten. You know, what do you, what do you guys want to pay for my house? Multifamily. I was the only guy in town when I bought this commercial property. And there's not a lot of people hitting these people up because it's not as sexy as a wholesale deal uh, on a single family duplex or a single family house on main street. You know, that's what I found at least. No, that I'm like, if you can see this on YouTube and if it happened to switch over to me, I'm just like nodding my head. I'm just like, yep. yeah, it's everyone different. gets into the single family realm. The, yeah. Comparatively, there are thousands upon thousands of investors in the single family realm. Multifamily, not so much. And especially those who actually cold call multifamily. So if you know, and this is to all my flippers and wholesalers out there, if you know how to do this, figure out how to transfer those skills, use those transferable skills to bring you an up level into multifamily. So to what you were saying, and I want to give my my audience, my, my listeners, some actionable advice, because I have a lot of flippers and wholesalers listening to he, to you right now who are just like, how is he doing it? How is he going to do this? How, how did he get that one building? And then how is he going to continue to level up using his skills right now? And how do they transfer? And how can I do this? Like right now at this moment, how can I do this? without outsourcing information, without just using the skills that I have as a flipper and wholesaler, without jumping into a mentorship program, without, without having to like go elsewhere, how can I use my skills? Yeah. So to get granular, honestly, what I, I'll just give you the blueprint right now. It, it was, like I said, this business is not easy, but it's pretty simple in terms of like the execution part. Like we're not hedge fund managers here, you know, dealing with algorithms, you know? Like, so anyway, what I did was I, went on PropStream and I pulled a list of all the multifamily owners in the county I wanted to buy in. And by the way, disclaimer, this one's in New York. New York, not the greatest place for tenant landlord laws. I'm learning that the hard way. I got other rentals and, and they're, they're a mess, but um, these are single family rentals. But anyway, so I pulled a list and I the biggest thing I look for to get really into the weeds is I love length of ownership. Length of ownership, usually there's two things. There's usually a lot of equity or free and clear and there's deferred maintenance. So I ran into this property. It was on PropStream. Pulled the list of multifamily and mixed-use property owners. They've owned the pro- that have owned the property for at least twenty years. You can filter that in PropStream either with length of ownership or you can do last sale date. Basically, it's the same thing. And I started smiling and dialing. And every day, I time blocked an hour of making calls, and then I would also track the success of that session. So like if I spent an hour making calls, I tracked how many leads that I generate. Usually I'd get about one lead per hour of calling just because it's not as saturated as the single family business. And uh, I probably, probably day like 25 or 30. I mean, this is not normal, but I ran into this deal and this guy built, wanted to sell, had a vacant property. It was a little bit different of a conversation um, because a lot of these owners are not like going to get foreclosed tomorrow. Like a lot of these single family gurus talk about. So 
smart guy, definitely wasn't broke, deferred maintenance, wasn't a knucklehead. He wasn't going to give it away. You know what I mean? So it was more of a logical conversation. I got the data. I figured out the taxes and what the rent would be and all that stuff. And then I simply just made him a reasonable offer based on the fact that it was currently vacant. So I was kind of going off of the pro forma and also taking into account a little bit of some hair on this deal because there's, you know, it was on septic and there's, there's just a little more complicated. There's like a DEC is involved um, because the septic system, not in a bad way, but so I took that into consideration and the fact that it was vacant and I made him a little bit lower of an offer than, than probably uh, someone else would just because I knew there was going to be some more challenges on this property, but yeah, made him an offer. And he, um, he didn't take it right away. I, he, it took a little bit of following up, but he eventually took the offer. And uh, the key there is that I heard this great quote from this very successful real estate investor one time. And he said, I never bought a property. I never made an offer on. So a lot of people, they might be scared to make an offer because they think it's too low, but you're never going to know until you make the offer. And a lot of times their mind will change if you follow up with them. Can you just repeat that quote for those that in the back that did not hear what you just said? Yes. I've never bought a property. I did not make an offer on. Uh, and if you were to go into my scorecard for my company, you would see the number one brick that builds our business is offers presented because that's the name of the game. If you don't put the offer out, you will not get the building. If you do Ever. not put the offer out, you will not get the home. You will not, get, you have to yeah. put it out there. They have to know that you want it in order for you to get it. I've been, I've been kind of hammering that idea to as many ears as I can possibly get that to because it's all the information, all the education, everything, all the podcasts that you can listen to, none of it means anything unless you take action. And that was a great quote to take action on. And I love how you jumped into multifamily. You basically had the thought, you took some time to yourself, had the thought, knew you wanted to go into it, adjusted your metrics just slightly, it sounds like knew that yeah. the owners that you were going to be talking to were going to be a little bit more savvy. They know what they own. They've yeah. had it for over 20 years. They know their numbers. So you don't, you don't offer on emotion anymore. You offer on the numbers and you yeah. make sure you know your math and what things are going to cost. Absolutely. And a big thing I learned actually from multifamily book, um, Brian Murray, crushing it in commercial real estate. I've read the book a few times. It, it, it really helped me kind of get started. Another one I, I got to plug is uh, Jim Randall, Confessions of a Real Estate Entrepreneur, one of my all-time nice. favorites. And uh, so Brian Murray was talking about in the book, I actually had him on my show a couple of years ago, but he, um, he was talking about making an offer based on what the property is currently producing, not what it's going to produce. So like, for example, I, I ran into this, you know, I've made many offers on these properties and a lot of these owners are like trying to sell the dream. They're like, oh, well, the rent could be X. So I'm going to base my off my, my price off of X. And I always made my offers off of what the real rent was or would be if it was not vacant. So I'm able to buy it. And then once it's fully stabilized, it's going to be worth X. I'm not going to buy a property off some guy's word. I'm going to look at the numbers and make a realistic offer one on what the property is currently producing. And then if I can find a way to cut those expenses down, which I've done so far, that's just to my benefit. Cause I'm the one or my team is the one adding the value to make it more profitable. Does that make sense? Like I, I kind of looked at it that way when I was started making offers, you know, it makes complete sense. And you, yeah. and all this information is coming from books that you've read and yes the action that you've taken in the past. So we've talked about the past, we've talked about right now. 
what does the future look like for you and your business, your team? Um, what are you looking and what are your goals going forward? Yeah, great question. So uh, the two businesses, so there's the, the the smaller business I would say now is the multifamily business. So my goal with that is to, to get more of these good deals that I find off market secured, optimized and put them in the portfolio. So that's like, I guess, more of a, a, a not a broader goal, but that's that's like the the vision at this point for the apartment multifamily kind of commercial business. And then on the on the single family business that I'm still involved in, I want to get that puppy up to a one million dollar net profit, which is what I've been humming for uh, this year. And how close are you? This year we're not going to hit the million net. We're probably going to come close, but it's not going to net out just based on the reality of where we're at in Q4. But that's been like my weird goal for the last like years. Like, oh, I'm going to be a seven figure net guy. I'm 20, you know, just, you know, just because I, the reason I, I like that goal is not because of the money, you know, that the money's great, but like, who do I got to become? And this sounds all cliche, but who do I got to become in order to be a person who can net that type of income? You know what I mean? Like, what is that? Like, what do I got to do to get there? And that's more important than the money that I'll get from doing it. You know what I mean? And then I have that skill set and that experience and I can take that and transfer it to, the apartment business and, and anything else I want to do. So that's like a big milestone. I think it's tough for people to get there. And, you know, the, the tougher it is, you know, the better you're going to get in the process. I love what you said there. Who do I need to become? And the thing yeah. is that that number is great. I, I applaud numbers and because it makes your goal quantifiable. You yes. can see, okay, am I close to that goal? You have like, maybe you have like these lofty goals of who you want to become. Yeah. But attaching who you need to become in order to get that quantifiable goal makes those goals more real. Exactly. And, then, <laughs> and if it's not quantifiable, most people don't reach it. Exactly. Because they don't know what they're shooting for. And they're just like, I want to do more deals. I want to buy like whatever. And it's just like, it's so broad and you can't measure up against that. And then at the same time, like if I'm netting a million, my sales guy's netting 200 grand. And if he's netting 200 grand, his life has changed. You know what I mean? Or her life has changed, whoever it is. So it's like that type of big ambitious number just forces you to grow. Because if you want to come into contact with reality, you got to get to that level one way or the other. And by you know? becoming that person who you need to be and want to be, you bring people up with you. Just like you said, if you're netting that amount, then the people that you're working with are netting more. And then the people that they're serving get to be served. At, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a big, yeah. That's something I really didn't think about until like this year and a little bit last year. It's like, you know, if we hit these numbers, like it's it, that ripple effect is serious. You know what I mean? And then you can think about other people and it's like, it, you know, so that that's a big like motivating thing for me. And being able to have the team win big time, like just it's, it's, it, it me, it's, it's really important to me now. And I just, I think I had to kind of be a one man show for a while to kind of learn some of those lessons. So now, like when I bring people on, like I'm very confident, like I have a lot of friends who've tried to scale their businesses and they were just scaling chaos and I'm not perfect at all, but they, they were hiring immaturely. Like they were bringing somebody on with a terrible opportunity and they were doing the employee a disservice because they couldn't get their stuff together on their own. So they brought someone in to a system that couldn't be executed. And it just kind of was a mess, you know? I had to write that down. You're just scaling chaos. If you don't know what you're doing, if you don't have the education and the drive and the action and everything set up for yourself, you are just 
scaling chaos. I've heard about too many businesses who are, have fallen flat because that is exactly yeah. what they have done. So let's talk about your multifamily business. How are you going to level that up? How are you going to take it to the next level? Are you going to stay in New York? You mentioned that New York isn't the best market <laughs> for rentals yeah. and I have to agree. So when you had told me that when we were on your podcast, I had to bite my tongue and not laugh because yeah. that's crazy. But at the same time, that also means that multifamily providers like myself are going to steer clear of New York. So that might actually give you that advantage. So what is your, your quantifiable goal, if I may? Yeah, I, I would say at this point, it is, it is one successful acquisition per quarter or per, per, or per six months, depending on where we're at. So like right now, I'm, I'm getting this one turned around. And for me to put another one in the pipe right now would be a little nutty. So one of these deals at a time, because when you get these things turned around, there's a lot more meat on the bone and it's something that can feed you and your, you know, your investors for a while. So unlike the single family business where we can get three deals in one week, that's great. But this business is a little bit different. It doesn't have to be like every week, you don't need to get a new deal under contract that, you know, maybe you can wholesale them if you want, but I, I figured one successful acquisition at a time, be patient. You don't need to try to go bonkers. And if, if and that's for me right now, that's what I would want. That's what I want to do right now. That could obviously change, but right now it's one acquisition at a time. How do I learn from this? And then how do I get to the point where I can get one successful acquisition per quarter at the same time, having my single family business keep growing and getting optimized. Cause that's like my ATM. That's like my cash machine. You know what I mean? That thing is, is, is reasonably predictable now. We have our systems developing and all that. So that will allow me as I, as I get less involved, I'm still involved in that business heavily now, but as I get less involved in that business over time, I can start to transition my time more into the other business as that continues to grow. So that's something I, I got really clear on and I got clear on like why I want to do it and why it would be a big impact. And now I can work backwards and I can, I can measure my own success versus what I want versus going on Facebook and seeing someone doing something that's great and inspiring, but maybe it's not what I want to do right now, you know? So just being able to stay true to myself has, has been really helpful. And um, yeah, it just allows me to operate uh, with more confidence and clarity every day. Cause I'm comparing myself to my old self, not to someone else who I don't know. And I love that. I love how you keep on bringing it back to what your, you said your why was it's basically yeah. leveling up yourself and just unleashing your own potential and each step of the way you come back to that because that allows you to know and grow and grow into the person that you need to be to get your goals done. Greg, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. If my listeners, and I know they will, want to get a hold of you or learn more about you or learn about why New York is a great place to invest in, please, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, I say the best way is probably my Instagram. Uh, if they message me, I will get back to them. I promise. But I sometimes will go on an Instagram diet where I won't look at my messages for two weeks. So I'm not ignoring them. I promise, but I will check it. I'll get back to you. I promise it's Grego underscore 37. Generally I put out a decent amount of content there. I always put a book review out every Saturday so that they can count on that. I post about deals I'm doing. I post about stuff I got going on. I'm usually traveling. So that's definitely the best way to plug in with me. And, uh, you know, it's a great way where I share my podcast. Like when we had the show with you that got promoted on there. So Instagram at Grego 30, Grego underscore 37. Uh, I apologize. 
And uh, yeah, you can find me on there and uh, shoot me a follow and I'll follow you back. And uh, yeah, they can check me out there. Fantastic. Well, you heard it from him. Go to Instagram, follow Grego underscore 37. Grego underscore 37. We'll put that down in the show notes. Again, Greg, one more question. If you can leave my listeners with one more tidbit, something to take them to their next step, what would it be? Yes. Um, I would say, I'm going to say what I said earlier because it's that important to me. Because like, as I say it, I almost learn it again myself. So you got to combine the pig head persistence with the reflection on your actions to make sure that you're persisting the right way. So that's huge. I mean, that is the number one thing that has helped me on my journey so far is being able to reflect and persist at the same time to make sure that the lessons are continually producing an upward trajectory. I love it. Thank you so very much. Basically take your drive and make sure you're following that map. And if that map needs to change then you go ahead and change it, but you keep on driving. Greg, again, thank you so much. And for my listeners out there, thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful to you. And if you loved what you heard, and I know you did, please rate, review, and subscribe, and then go to Pave the Way podcast and rate, review, subscribe to Greg after you listen to his podcast. So thank you so very much, Greg. My pleasure. Bye, everyone.